0: Welcome to this episode of Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today we have another good one. It was interesting to interview a guide from Nebraska, Tom Seaver, guides from multitude of species and guides on lakes in Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa, and Minnesota. Tom is a really nice guy, and I really enjoyed learning from him. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Mr. Tom Seberg to this episode of Catching Knowledge. Tom founded TomTom's Guide Service in Nebraska, and he guides for walleye, bass, northern pike, muskies, and panfish. I'm excited to learn from him. Welcome, Tom.
1: Thanks for having me, bud. It's uh, pretty cool to see uh, this younger generation being so enthused and excited about the outdoors as you are. It's nice to see that.
0: Yeah. All right, let's get started for questions. How and where did you start fishing?
1: So my parents owned a cabin in Burmidgee, Minnesota, which is northern Minnesota. And we would spend two to three weeks every summer up there fishing. And then, of course, when I would come back from summer vacation, I was still fishing with friends around the Council Bloss Omaha area. So that was kind of where my addiction got started.
0: So... Did you fish in the lakes we have today, like Carter Lake or Flanagan, or were those non-existent then?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Carter Lake was there, Manawa, but like Prairie Queen wasn't there, Wanahoo wasn't. Cunningham was just getting started back in those days. We've got quite a few more lakes nowadays in the Omaha metro area than we did when I was a kid.
0: What did you fish for when you were a kid?
1: My dad was really big into fishing for walleye and pike. And so actually I was more into bass fishing for quite a while. Um, just because when we would go to Minnesota, nobody really bass fished. So I kind of had the whole lakes to myself for chasing largemouth and smallmouth. And once I kind of got that figured out, then I switched over to okay, let's see if I can figure out Muskie. So it's always kind of when I was younger, it was always trying to figure out the next challenge and then try to perfect each technique I could possibly learn from somebody or from somewhere.
0: Muskies are pretty hard to catch. How did you perfect that?
1: Um, Lots of patience and understanding sonar. Muskie, once they're, you know, of course they're always feeding, but they have their own kind of territory. And once you have one that follows or you see one uh, swirl behind the bait, you just mark it and then just kind of stay start dissecting that piece of structure where you've seen that fish and it's pretty amazing to see how many times where you take that same piece of structure and start moving it in different locations and they still hang in there it's it's still one of those fish that you're not going to go say oh we're gonna go catch five today it's we're gonna go musky fishing and we're gonna throw a bait all day for eight to ten hours and hopefully we get one no matter how, how great you are when it comes to muskie, there is no, uh, yeah, we're going to catch five today. It's, it's kind of up to them, and you strive to get that one hooked up.
0: Don't pike also have territories or something like that? I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere.
1: Not so much territories, but they all kind of feed in a certain range. Pike, walleye, a lot of people don't think of walleye being so much territorial. But even like crappie, crappie are per- predator fish, even though they are a panfish so once you start understanding what they're feeding that's why you always hear match the hatch is so critical and that's not so much of what's being born or what's hatching that kind of gets over confused at times when people say match the hatch it, in layman's terms it's just matching what they're feeding on yeah so there may be a big uh you know age class of perch that just you know spawned or something they're feeding on some little fish they're in It just kind of depends on what you're going after. But they all have their own niche for the day. And those fish, depending on what they're feeding on, move continuously throughout the lake or the body of water you're chasing them on.
0: Can you tell the listeners what you mainly fish for?
1: Yeah, so I'd say a good percentage of my clientele just want to make some memories and get some hook sets. And I'd say probably 50%. And the other 50% of my clientele is really just want to chase walleye. And mainly we do most of that early spring around locally. And then we do some in Lewis and Clark, South Dakota, or kind of the bodies water we we mainly key on for the walleye. Early spring, there is some decent walleye bite right around Omaha Lincoln area, but that fades out fairly quick. As we all know that like right now, we're we're sitting with no ice on our lakes. So we're roughly three weeks ahead of everybody else up north, so our walleye really start going really quick.
0: I tried fishing back a couple days ago, and it was windy and cold, and my hands were wet, and it wasn't very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, and uh, early spring, a lot of people don't know this, but, like, rubber gloves, like, surgical gloves are real nice to just put on because it keeps the water off your hands. Ah. Yeah, so that's a real cool trick to do is just get some some gloves and when your hands start getting sweaty then take them off and put a new pair on kind of let them dry out but if you keep that water off your hands early spring we do that a lot as will wear rubber gloves especially if we're using leeches because you put your hand in the cold water your hands get cold but if you can keep that water off your hands your hands stay a lot warmer
0: that's clever (laughs) I, i never thought about it that way yep You guide for walleyes, bass, pike, muskie, and panfish, and all that good stuff. How did you get started doing that?
1: So when we had our cabin in Minnesota, there was a resort down the road, and I was probably, I think, 12 the first time I guided. It was for perch. The resort owner said to some people who were staying there, that were struggling, hey, if you go down the road here and, and ask for Tommy, he'll take you out and get you on perch. And I remember they kind of, they came down, they talked to my mom and dad. And I don't think my mom and dad told them how old I was. And I showed up at the dock the next morning to take them out. And they kind of looked at me like, it's a 12 year old boy sitting in the boat. What is going on? And they got in the boat. They, you know, they were kind of like, Oh, it's too late now. We're just going to go. And we ended up, you know, back then you get 50, I think it was 50 was the, the limit for perch a person in northern minnesota and i think we were done with their limits by like noon i just remember it was it was like 25 or 30 bucks is all i charged and i remember being so excited for one just to be able to take somebody out two it was like i got this money now i can go buy more fishing tackles so at, when it first started it was more to, to pay for my obsession with fishing it wasn't so much to do it as a job job. And then about uh, 20, 20 years ago, I kind of started doing it here and there. And then the last six years is when it's really became more of an income wise. I still make the joke that it's still to pay for my obsession <laughs> more it is than it is probably for my income because fishing tackle can be very expensive, especially when you start talking boats and sonar and. I, I kind of laugh when somebody goes, well, how much does it cost to fish from shore or to own a boat? Because <laughs> there's a big difference in that nowadays.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how expensive those boats can be. Like, the new Skeeter boats are like $90,000 or something like that.
1: So, yeah, and especially with this this going on right now in our economy, all the boat you know, the fishing industry in general is taking a hit. Uh, electronics are hard to come by. They've up five to ten percent. Boats nationally went up 25% in cost. So it's it's definitely been a weird year for a lot of outdoorsmen.
0: Yeah. I didn't know the fishing prices went up.
1: Yeah, so like uh so a skeeter boat, a dealer in Minnesota, it was 80 dollars two years ago for a, w, a WX. 2060 i think now it's 98.5 wow yeah and i just got told by a couple friends of mine that Lund boats went up 25 to 35 percent so it's yeah it's and then now like yamaha yamaha motors they are on back order for the next six months so if you buy a new like Skeeter, Skeeter runs Yamaha. You may have to wait six months for the motor.
0: Could just take your oars in that big twenty foot boat and go. Yeah.
1: That that'd be something fun to do. I think I'd rather just buy like five lithium batteries and just use the trolling motor as much as I could before I start owing one of those big fiberglass boats around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess the uh... Strike King KVD ochos that I usually buy haven't gone up much in price.
1: Yeah, not yet. I haven't felt much. Yeah.
0: What's your favorite species to guide for?
1: You know, I still say my favorite is panfish, and that is just because a lot of times when you're chasing panfish as a guide, it's a family with their kids, and I enjoy still seeing the kids just get the smile on their face of you know a big bluegill or a crappie or even a bullhead you know it doesn't matter you know usually when you're chasing panfish it's somebody that just wants to go out and make some memories. It's not about trying to get a certain size of a fish or it's a lot of even times not even about getting fish to eat. a lot of times you know people they want to just go just chase panfish just to have fun so, that's probably why I would say pan fish is still pretty exciting to still guide people on because it's it's seeing the kids, seeing the mom and dad, you know, hold the fish together and that smile as they're getting their picture taken. That's a memory that uh, you get to be a part of as a guide, which is kind of a, a real honor if you think about it, because that's something that they're going to talk about, you know, for years to come. And here's a stranger that's weaved tightly into them memory that we're gonna talk about for years to come so that's kind of one of the coolest things about <laughs> guiding but it's also one of the coolest things about you know like i said most of the time when people go for panfish it's, it's usually a family oriented kind of trip
0: what about muskies do you get like the hardcore guys with 20 uh, pound lures
1: yeah so i get a couple guys a year that uh, want to go after muskie the thing with musky fishermen in general, most of the time, if you chase musky, one yari on a boat, two yari on the tackle, I don't get a whole lot of demand for taking people musky fishing. But when I do get somebody that let's say they booked a full day and we've, after about noon, we've already got, let's say our pan fish limits. And they're like, Hey, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, like to go for a musky, And if we're on a lake or where, where they're at, you know, we'll switch task, tactics and gear. But anybody that hasn't fished for muskie after about 10 minutes in, they kind of almost look at you like, this is crazy. Why do people love doing this? Because you're throwing, you know, a bulldog or a pounder that weighs, literally the pounder weighs a pound. It's a chunk of rubber that weighs a pound. And you have a hundred pound braid on, and you're chucking this thing that's a pound into the water. And when it hits the water, it sounds like someone's throwing boulders off the shoreline, you know, and they just kind of look at you like, they're really going to eat this if you do get hooked up they just kind of look like i can't believe that that muskie ate ate this what like that thing's huge i get a big kick out of that and then you know if they get one that's let's say 34 35 inches for someone that hasn't caught one you know they're they're just blown away you know and then you get the other guys that chase them all the time we get hooked up to a 38 or the 36 we don't even measure it We we literally just pop it off in the net and get it out of the net and start casting right away. It's kind of a unique dynamic when you see the difference between people that have chased them and fish after them all the time. And then people that are just curious to experience it, you know? So I always tell people and they say, Oh, you know, I have always wanted to try musky fishing. And I, first thing I'll ask them is how's your shoulder? And they kind of look at me kind of funny and go, what do you mean? How's my shoulder? I'm like, well, You can get tennis elbow after about a half a day chucking baits and they just kind of go what i'm like yeah and then when they see the rods and reels and the tackle they just shake their head like these things are in freshwater this isn't a shark this isn't like some creature we're going after but if you look at the baits they can be pretty exotic looking baits i mean they're the baits range from like 25 to 50 bucks for a bait and it's nothing more you want to see a grown man cry have him throw a musky bait, and for some reason he gets a backlash or something, and it pops the line. And he watches the lure glide through the air and go into the water and disappear forever. That's a good way to make a grown man cry. Huh.
0: <laughs> sounds miserable.
1: It sounds miserable, but that one hookup it can be two days, and then the fight is just unreal. The only thing to date that I can say fight near as hard as a muskie, is I recently just got one of my my bucket list fish caught. It was a lake trout to the ice in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and they fight pretty close to the same. Up to that point, I always thought muskie fought the hardest out of every fish in the freshwater.
0: Who's your youngest client that's ever caught a muskie?
1: Oh, I want to say it was Judah. He was, I think, he was six then. We were trolling pulling double ten spinner baits for him and we had a muskie and I think it was 31 or 32 inch muskie.
0: Where so, was that?
1: It, it was in Okoboji, Iowa.
0: Oh yeah. What techniques do you use when you fish for bass?
1: My all-time favorite lure is called a slogo. It's made oh. by Lunker City. Yeah. I love that drifting jerkbait presentation and i think it's because of the fact that you, you still get that top water explosion and i think that's still today why i like fishing for largemouth or even smallmouth in der- different areas i like that top water bite i like seeing the fish come out of the water it's a little bit more drilling packed mm-hmm. more than doing a drop shot or a ned brig or a chatter bait That slow go, i think i have probably 60 or 70 of them in different colors i still use them quite a bit there's some other baits like a chatterbait works real well for me but i still my default for me is still that slow go
0: what kind of boat do you have
1: so i own a a lun impact xs it's a 20 footer 200 horse mercury v6 i run the 15 horse uh, pro kicker on it and i have uh hummingbird electronics i run two Helix 12s at the dash, um, oh my and then I have gosh. a yeah, and then I have a live scope up front. But since I do oh, a good majority of mine is as I'm driving, I try to pick them up on the on the side imaging, and then once I get some fish marked or structure marked on the side imaging, a lot of times I'll default back over to live scope up front with the trolling motor.
0: So would that mean you have like a Ultra X or?
1: So I, I'm, I'm old, so I have the stone deploy. <laughs> oh, Tara, I really like being able to push the button and have it deploy in the water. And then especially when I'm, I'm by myself guiding, because when I put in the boat, I can back up to the water. And if I want to, I can push it off into the water, reach out the window, hit the remote, deploy the trolling motor, do a spot lock, and then come back to the dock and drive it up to the dock and step into the boat.
0: If I were to go fishing with you, where would we go?
1: So, and that's a little bit harder question than most people think. It all kind of depends. One, the water temperature, two, the bite for the year. I cover anywhere from Wildwood Lake to Prairie Queen, Walnut Creek, Wanahoo. Yeah, there's quite a few different lakes, Summit Lake up in Takema. You know, if a guy wanted to just go catch a bunch of fish in a day and not keep any, um, a very good lake right now is Flanagan in Omaha is doing very well. It's got some decent sized northern pike, which are all catch and release. Well, just about everything is catch and release right now still. But they got some nice sized bass, a lot of crappie, a lot of bluegill. And then you'll catch a couple 36, 38 inch northern pike out there. So it can be kind of a fun day.
0: I got bit off, by. Mom, seriously, don't roll your eyes. I saw it. I was wearing my polarized sunglasses. Yeah, I got bit off by a pretty good pike, I think. I was just about to take my crankbait out of the water. I was fishing for bass. And then <laughs> that
1: that's that's the the donation that you gave to the lake that day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Those it was a piper. Cool. Bike are always known to be taking that nice expensive bass bait and taking it from you.
0: It was a cool bait. It was like a soft crankbait, like it almost squishes in like a frog to like feel more lifelike. What kind of rods and reels do you have on your boat? Here? So
1: I pro staff for JT Outdoor Productions. They make a wide variety of rods from Panfish rods, which is the panhandler, walleye rods mainly, is what we make. Um, we're gonna be probably doing some more of the bass fishing rods down the down the road, but they're more of a kind of a what they consider a custom rod. And then I run Daiwa Fuegos is what I usually run for open face, and then some of my baitcaster rods. I got some Shimanos, and then of course my my lead core rods are Akuma cold water series, but but 90% of my rods my boat, uh, exception of my musky rods, are all pretty much JT rods. My musky rods are Shimano, a G Loomis, and I think I even got a custom made one out of, I think, Wisconsin.
0: Nice. When are you going to make those bass rods or whatever?
1: So I believe if somebody watches the JT website this year, There will be probably some announcements coming later this year, some bass rods that we'll have in production.
0: So where is that company based out of?
1: They're made right in Minnesota. So that is kind of a cool deal. JT still makes all of our rods. We do all the wrapping and everything one at a time. It's not a huge production floor like some of the other big box rod companies. You can find JT rods in Shields and a lot of smaller bait and tackle shops. Shields in Omaha and Lincoln both carry the JT rods, not so much the open water, we're getting more and more of the open water series rods in there, but for ice fishing we carry a nice selection in both stores.
0: What do most of your clients want to fish for?
1: I'd say a good chunk of them early in the year is more walleye and pike and then as the year goes on midsummer then most of them are switching over to panfish and doing some bass still get some people that still want to try to chase some walleye and we we'll still we still do that off and on but majority of it come kind of midsummer is just chasing after panfish locally
0: do you have any favorite fishing stories or experiences
1: yeah i think the biggest memory that i have it's kind of a funny one but it's also a lesson learned I took my brother in laws to Minnesota, and three of my brother in laws out of the four really weren't very much fishermen growing up. And when I came into the family, they began to get really excited about going fishing. We got a really good smallmouth bite using topwater plugs. And as the fish was in the net, they would keep tension on the rod. So the rod is loaded up, and I would tell them, when I go to reach into this net and get this fault out, you gotta open the bail or give some slack because if that fish shakes his head and throws a hook, the hook's gonna get in in my hand. And my brother-in-law's, you okay, Tom Tom, we got it, we got it. Okay, yep, we got it. Well, lo and behold, my brother-in-law, Luke, evidently didn't get the memo and I reached my hand down in the net to grab this smallmouth and what did he do? The smallmouth shook his head and where did the hook go? In my hand. So my brother-in-law's got to experience what it's like for a guy to cut a hook and push it all the way through his hand to get it out in the boat. I think that's when my brother-in-law's thought I was actually a little crazy.
0: Do you have any other stories?
1: Yeah, so we were fishing a lake. Actually, it's Summit Lake this winter, matter of fact, catching panfish. And we hooked into a pretty big fish, and we thought it was just a, like maybe a bass or a catfish or maybe in a big walleye. And as we were getting closer, I kind of seen something below the hole, and I thought, well, I'm just going to reach my hand down through the hole and grab this fish because I was pretty confident it was a big catfish because it'd been over 20 minutes fighting this fish. And right as I go to put my arm down the hole, hand into its mouth, I see what. At first, was just a mouth, and then it dawned on me it was a pike. So I was literally inches from putting my hand in a pike's mouth, and then I it, it just it was that knee jerk reaction of I jerked my arm and hand out of the water. I'm like, that's a pike, and they looked at me and I looked at them, and we're like, there's not supposed to be any pike in here. And unfortunately, we never did get it landed. Um, four pound test, the pike was probably close to four inches long, and he took back off. On another big run and broke off but i just thought i cannot believe i almost put my whole hand purposely in a northern pike's mouth just for the mere fact that we all were convinced that it wasn't anything that had teeth that i should be worried about and so then i kind of in the back of my head have told myself for now on i'm not gonna blindly put my hand down in a hole to mouth a fish until i can see what species of fish it is just in case
0: that's a big pike too yeah.
1: Yeah, that would have caused a little bit of damage on a hand.
0: Didn't you say there weren't supposed to be pike in there?
1: Yeah, so from what I've heard from different DNR officers, conservation officers in the state, they don't know quite sure how pike got in there, but they've heard other people say they've caught pike out of there. I don't know if someone bucket-stocked it where someone caught one and then put it in another lake because they thought they'd help out, which is always a bad idea, but... It's. I fish that lake quite a bit, and that's the first time ever me or a client's ever hooked into a northern pike.
0: Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman?
1: Yeah, I'd say probably my my biggest things that I can say is one, never stop learning, and always, always try something, even if everybody else tells you not to try it, that it's a waste of time, because I have seen and witnessed. Tom Wynn won the AIM Series Walleye Championship, and he placed second in WT. Prior to being a pro walleye fisherman, he was a pro bass fisherman. I literally watched him take bass baits and catch walleye with him with no problem. And that's always been a stereotypical thing that everybody says, oh, you got to use a walleye bait or you got to use a bass bait for this. After fishing with him on a couple tournaments, I've realized that any bait will catch the species you're targeting if you're targeting that species in the right environment. So that's even helped me as a better fisherman realize that when somebody goes, Oh, that's not a bass bait. You can't use that for bass fishing. No. If you take that bait and you're putting it in the bass's environment, it may be the best bait you can to chase them with because they've never seen that bait. So that's why I tell people don't just because, you know, you read on a deal or it's in the bass fishing aisle, think, Oh, that's only a bass bait. Nope. Always try things out for yourself. Never stop learning and always remember to share your knowledge with others. Because especially for me, I always feel like if I don't explain or give people tips and tricks on different techniques that could be lost. And it's information that was told and shared to me. So, even as you, as a young age, you may know something that honestly I may not know, even though you don't think it, there is still little things that each of us as a fisherman know that maybe somebody else doesn't know because we didn't all, it isn't like we all graduated from the same fishing school, you know? Yeah. So, that's why I would tell everybody, you know, never quit learning, always try new t- techniques, and always try to. M- master as many things as you can, because it'll just increase as being a better outdoorsman. And then I think the biggest key is to always be humble and just take the time to teach others or to explain to somebody, if you're out fishing, especially from shore or even in a boat at the dock and you hear somebody talk, Oh, we, it was a terrible day. This, this lake is fished out. Take a little bit of time and just explain to them, you know, Hey, try this or try that, or, You'd be amazed how many people just could give them a little bit of information and a little bit of technique, and the time you've just changed their whole day or maybe even the next four days for them. So,
0: so the guy literally took like a Guggen trench hog or something and fished for walleye with it.
1: Yep. Yeah, so, it was on Lake of the Woods. He was using Live Scope and pitching. I believe it was an, uh, a Ned Brig with a I can't remember the plastic, but it was a bait plastic, or a bass plastic and dominated that whole tournament by fishing with a bass- style bait. I and also the first time you've seen that.:
0: I also noticed that most walleye baits look like bananas.
1: Yeah, it's because I think most people think that only walleye chase
0: bananas certain
1: bait fish. And that's another thing I always get you'll figure out the older you get. Bass fishermen and walleye fishermen, there's always kind of this clash where they, they don't get along. They they say, Wow, well, anybody can catch a bass, they're dumb. And then you talk to bass fishermen, they're like, anybody can catch a walleye, they're dumb. <laughs> um, I could tell you though, being a multi-species guide, I realized that. Fishing is fishing. It's not about what you're using. It's more in if you're in the right spot where that species lives.
0: All right. Remember, everyone, walleyes don't only like bananas. Nope.
1: They eat everything.
0: Time for some rapid-fire questions. We should be quick. Okay. All right. Brain monofluorocarbon.
1: Oh, you had to throw that in there, didn't you? Yeah, I would have to go still with both on the braid and mono.
0: All right, um, favorite state to fish in
1: South Dakota's favorite state,
0: favorite bass lure,
1: slogo by Lunker City,
0: favorite pinfish lure.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with a hook, sinker, and bobber.
0: It's also I. What I like to do sometimes is I like to take a fly rod and fish with a popper fly for a panfish. That's fun.
1: It can be very exciting.
0: Except it, have- except it stinks when they choke it. it <laughs> the four inch bluegill chokes, but popper fly. It's kind of annoying to get out. Anyways, um, favorite lake in Minnesota.
1: My favorite lake in Minnesota to date has to be, I'm going to say, Mille Lacs still.
0: Biggest fish you ever caught?
1: Biggest fish I ever caught was a little just shy of 48-inch muskie out of Okoboji in Iowa.
0: Huskers or gophers?
1: No, I would pick gophers over huskers.
0: That's gutsy. Review. Yep, it is.
1: What's gutsier more than that is I was born in Iowa, I live in Nebraska, and my house is decorated in Hawkeyes. That's even more gutsy.
0: I guess get ready to fend off a mob, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, time for our last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be?
1: It'd be Brazil in the Amazon basin chasing peacock bass.
0: A couple of people said that like the prop bait, what do you want to do or just anything?
1: A lot of, a lot of top water fishing for the peacock bass and yeah. on the Amazon river, just over the last probably 15 years watching how that's got uh, more spotlight on it and seeing the size of them. Even though Florida does have peacock bass, your big peacock bass are still on the Amazon and it's, you know it's a dangerous place to be, but I think it would be something to, to be able to tell a story for the rest of your life about catching any size of peacock bass on the Amazon.
0: That'd be fun. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, no problem for having me on. I enjoyed it very much and look forward to hearing more of your podcast.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. I'd be very grateful if you subscribed, wrote a rating, or left a review. I'd like to give a big thanks to Tom for doing the interview. It was really fun to get to learn from you. It'd be even more fun to get to learn from you on the water. See you next time on Catching Knowledge.